Hey there, Frontlines listeners. This is Mike letting you know about this week's sponsor, Audible.com. Head over to audiblepodcast.com slash Clone Wars to download your free audiobook. Choose from over 60,000 titles, including a wide array of Star Wars and Clone Wars audiobooks. So head over to audiblepodcast.com slash Clone Wars to start your free trial today. A long time ago, galaxy far, far away, the clone armies of the Republic were spread out across the galaxy, fighting droid armies of the Separatist movement. And from the front lines of the battle comes Frontline, the Clone War podcast, with your host, Michael Cohen. And now, Michael Cohen. Hey, everybody, welcome to the 35th episode of Frontlines the Clone Wars podcast. I am your co-host Matt and of course the leader Mike is with us also. Hey Mike, how's hey, it going? Hey, hey. It's been a it's been a little bit of a, a little bit of a break for you guys. We said we were going to be back in the following week and then uh, the week kind of got away from us, but we're oh, yeah. we're back now in time. Back uh, and better be- than ever. Yeah, before the uh, before the next episode, we got a new episode coming up this Friday. So, uh, so you know, we we said we said we'd do another episode before the show came back, and uh, we didn't lie. <laughs> At least not yet. So yeah. long as I get this edited and posted, um, yeah. <laughs> which I will. But yeah, uh, we are back. Uh, we're going to talk about the episode uh, "Deserter" or "The Deserter." It's something like that. Yeah, the deserter. Yeah. Um, it's pretty uh pretty cool episode, a pretty like kind of almost controversial episode. Yeah, I, I um, bringing up a lot of stuff that has been in the uh, the EU about clones and their free will and all that sort of thing and their right to live their own lives, but bringing it into uh, G level canon. So right, Definitely. kind of a big deal. Oh yeah, yeah. A little bit of a departure from the last episode, even though they're, they kind of sort of work together um, with Obi-Wan going after Grievous. But uh, yeah, it definitely wasn't about that. That was just some filler. Uh, so, um, but we will get into that. Uh, yeah. Should we hit the news real quick then? Yeah, let's jump into the Cadillac news. Zone. Yeah. Um, so uh, I thought we would look at some of the uh, best of 2009 Um this is January, starting of a new year, and uh, what better way to start the new year than look back on last year and some of the top things that came out as far as Star Wars. And this article was uh, on uh, StarWars.com, and some of you might have seen it. Uh, Bonnie Burton, Mary Franklin, Pablo Hidalgo, and uh, Pete Vilmer compiled a list of uh, their top ten things in Star Wars, and we wanted to comment on some of them. And uh, it starts off, we'll start off with number 10. It starts off with, uh, as far as collecting news, it kind of goes into the same realm here. Yeah. Uh, the Force Trainer from Uncle Milton. And I have not got a chance to uh, use this thing, but I, I heard it's, it's kind of cool. Have you heard anybody? I, I have spent uh, close to an hour <clears throat> with one of these. At the oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, over at Metropolis Comics and Toys, the comic book store that I get my, uh, my comics from. Okay. Uh, Johnny, the owner there, uh, he um, he he got one in, 
and uh, and we cracked it open to try it out, and uh, yeah, no. um, <laughs> as near as we could tell, nothing was happening. Oh really? Oh, it no. just it just did stuff all by itself. Like regardless of whether or not you were actually trying to focus on it and stuff, it would just do stuff. Like you could just turn it on, and it it would make sure that you had the thing on your head, but that was it. Uh, that that was the only thing that the headpiece was good for. That and as a controller, because the like to turn the thing on and to start the game and that sort of thing. But like from the hour that I spent with it trying to get the thing to work, and like I'm standing in the, sitting in the comic book store trying to get this thing to work. Yeah. Um, for like an hour, because I wanted like I wanted to believe that it was real, that it was. <laughs> that they had actually done this so that it was actually a cool toy for kids and that it was worth the 150 bucks or however much it is. Like it is not a cheap toy. Oh no. no. Um, but yeah, as near as I could tell, it was just <clears throat> faking it. It was like a flea circus pretty much, you know, oh, like it was wow. automated and moving by itself. And I'm sure that for, for younger kids, it is cool, but I don't know if it's 150 bucks cool for a yeah. wireless, headset that can only be used with this thing and uh and it's pretty much like it is pretty much a blow dryer with a plastic tube and a ping pong ball <laughs> and a bunch of star wars logos all over it and like yoda talks to you when you're doing it and he says you know concentrate and focus and all that sort of stuff which is kind of neat but um like they get an a plus for presentation but they get like an f minus for swindling people yeah like it it is it is fake it okay. is it is like sea monkeys because i thought i heard it's the illusion of something i've heard somebody maybe they just thought they got it to work but it's uh, very tricky like you got to really spend a lot of time with it and what you have to do is you try like most people would put it on they just try they just do it and be like oh oh i'm getting it to move and stuff yeah but it's when you put the thing on and then you just have a conversation with somebody else in the room and it just does the exact same thing again and then you try it again and it just does the exact same thing again. Because, like, I tried it. I went through the sequence of it about three or four times and it was always the same, regardless of what I was doing. Like, even if I would try and focus on keeping the ball from going up instead of making the ball go up to where it was supposed to be, it would still go up. So... Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it was just my experience, and maybe, maybe it you're just not uh, force sensitive. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but uh, okay. okay. But yeah, it 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 seemed like kind of a bit of a. So that was a letdown. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have put it on the top ten. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, number nine on the top ten was the Star Wars soundboards, and these are pretty cool. I mean, you could pretty much do your own little mixing on these things and add. What if anybody hasn't tried it? You can you can. Uh, add a bunch of different voices and kind of make your own mix and make it say different things. And there's been some uh, pretty funny uh, mixes that have gone out throughout the webs. Yeah, there was like a Darth Vader versus Jar Jar one or something like that. I, yeah. I think I sent that over to you to listen to. Yeah. Um, oh, that was versus <laughs> yeah. Soka. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny stuff. Like, it's kind of cool. It's not, like, it's not for me. I'm, I'm not going to get in there and spend two hours to uh to edit all that together yeah (laughs) 
Um, but other people do it, and they seem to enjoy it, and it's a cool feature to have. Yeah. Uh, number eight. Here we go. Here's a good one. Star Trek Returns with the Star Wars twist. And it's yes. been it's been uh, widely known that J.J. Abrams is a Star Wars fan, and and uh, it's been said that. Uh, the reason Star Trek did so well was because of the Star Wars influence that Abrams put into uh, to put yeah. into his movie. So um, I know we both like the movie. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, hey. It is. Uh, I would say it's my favorite movie of 2009. It was probably my top movie. I mean, Avatar also came out in 2009 and it was pretty good. And yeah. District 9 was pretty good. District 9 was but, good. District 9, although being a better film, I don't know if it was a more enjoyable movie because District 9 really makes you feel kind of crummy. Like, you feel oh, kind of yeah. like, yeah, humanity kind of sucks. We're terrible people. And, you know, Star Trek is just fun from start to finish. And, right. you know, it looks great. It, it All of the actors are awesome. It's got nostalgia while still being something new. And... Uh, and it's got it's just got all those things that that I really enjoy in a movie. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely rebooted that franchise. I mean, yeah. we talked about uh, maybe it was with uh, Tom Hodges about how that franchise was pretty bleak. You know, I mean, not yeah. much going on, and and then it had like, its core kind of, people, but yeah, like right. there wasn't really a rabid fan base. There was just like those people who were intense, like the truckers right. and everybody who are. They're on ten, but there wasn't anybody on nine, eight, or seven. <laughs> yeah. Whereas with Star Wars, we run the full gamut, right? Like I meet people who are like zero to fifty. <laughs> like yeah. that's how many increments we need in order to define how like your level of Star Wars fandom, because there are just so many people with so many different ways of looking at it. Uh-huh. Um, and Star Trek didn't have that until now, because now you get. There's a there's a segment of girls that are like the Twilight type girls that they also like movies like Twilight and you know watch shows like Smallville and Supernatural because they have pretty boys, right? And uh, and these girls like Star Trek now, yeah, because yeah. you know Chris Pine and uh, and and Zachary Quinto are attractive guys, so. Now they're and Carl Urban and John, you know, like that. So now there's all these girls that that are like all over Star Trek because it's got a bunch of cute guys in it. You know, like it really did a lot for Star Trek to bring it into the mainstream again as more than just like a pop culture thing from the 60s. You know, like it's really it's sort of back and, and modernized, which is something that it really needed. I don't think that it really evolved. Uh, since, since when, when, when did, when did next gen come out? Like 85, 86? Yeah. 86, I think. Yeah. I think 86. So like really DS nine and Voyager were just spinoffs of, of, um, next gen. They were really kind of the same thing. And, uh, and then enterprise was a total flop, right? Like it just did not go over well with anyone but those you know level 10 star trek fans um and they even tried back then to infuse it with some star wars i mean they had 
in that first episode, he ends up on that ice, icy planet, and there's sort of a cantina full of crazy aliens instead of just a bunch of people playing. <laughs> Yeah, rubber masks, right? Like it's a bunch of crazy different aliens, and then later on in the series, you get all of these other aliens that are there more than just people with makeup on. Um, and then they also introduced the Death Star. Essentially, they had that <laughs> thing come and it cut a big, you know, a big swath across the Earth uh-huh. with its laser, and then it was going to come back and blow up the Earth. But they had to blow it up before it blew up the Earth. I was like, oh, that's great. And not only that, but it was a giant sphere. Like, I don't know. I don't know how that got past people. But, like, it was. They just put a Star Wars plot into Star Star Trek and saw what happened, you know. And it didn't go over well. Because at that (laughs) point, I was like, no deal. I am out, you know. Like, this is. It's one thing to infuse Star Trek with Star Wars like they did with the new movie. With the with the feeling and the intensity and the pace and all that sort of stuff, which is yeah. what they did with with uh, Abrams Star Trek, but to just take the storyline from Star Wars and put it into Star Trek and then keep it as boring and humdrum as it always is, right. not cool. Not cool in my opinion. <laughs> then you're just stealing it. Hope it works. You know, yeah. it's because they've run out of ideas. But. Yeah, well, you know, it, it did well because uh, here's one thing. My mother actually watched Star Trek, and so I know that it had to appeal more to them just to the uh, hardcore fans. So, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, so on to number seven, we got uh, the Tauntaun sleeping bag, which was started out as a joke, apparently. An April or, Fool's Day joke. An April from Fool's April Day joke. Can you yeah, believe that? And then here it is. A few months later, for hundred bucks, you can have your own Tauntaun sleeping bag. It's pretty amazing. It this is this is one of those things that sort of defines Lucasfilm and Lucas licensing as as a company that really listens to its fans. Um, there, I don't think that there's any other franchise on this planet that has such good relations with its fans that they would take a an April Fool's joke from a website like ThinkGeek and actually turn it into a product that they can sell. You know, like actually work with these people. Not just go, okay, that's a really cool idea. We're going to do that and make all of the profit. They went, no, 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 no. This is ThinkGeek's project. Right. You know, if we can work out the licensing and get everything sorted, the fans really want this and we really want the happy fans. So... Why won't we work with ThinkGeek and, and let them manufacture this product? So now ThinkGeek makes it, which I think is probably why it's $90, because they probably don't make no. huge quantities of it, right? Yeah. But, I mean, for those people, you know, if I if I come across $100 that's just kind of random spending money, this is one of those things that I might spend it on, because why wouldn't you want one, you know? Yeah. Like, you could get a Snuggie, or you could get a Tauntaun sleeping bag. <laughs> I mean, Snuggies are like yeah. 15 bucks or whatever. But <laughs> yeah. but I would rather have the Tauntaun sleeping bag and then my friends with Snuggies, it's like, yeah, you know yeah. what's cool here. I don't even know if I can fit into one of these Tauntaun sleeping bags, to be honest. I, don't, some I of thought the they were kind of small, weren't they? Some of the pictures online show that they're that they're kind of bigger. That they're, that they're oh, are they? adult-sized, yeah. But I was just I trying don't... to figure out if it was an actual, <clears throat> you actually use it or is it more of a collecting thing, you know? Yeah. Well, you've got, you've got kids. You got yeah. youngins. 
They yeah. could fit in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess for at least a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. I think the coolest thing, though, is they have the lightsaber Zipper. uh, zippers. So you oh, yeah. Up. Yeah. Well, and then the inside of it, the liner on the oh, inside. Oh, the liner. It's like the, it's like the white intestines. That intestines, yeah. I mean, they did an excellent job yeah. with it. So yeah. That was cool. Uh, number six on the list is uh, Movie Fanboys, which was a cool movie. It uh, kind of broke down the uh, the craziness that came about with episode one and, and uh, added a, a little story of, uh, of one guy that was going to do anything to see this movie before, uh, before he died. So it was a great, it was a cool movie. You know, it kind of, lots of great uh, jokes in there. It had... Uh, uh, Star Trek references and you know the whole war against Star Trek and Star Wars. Um, yeah, I really took a long time to come out, but it was it was good. good movie. Yeah, I really wish that they would have been able to get the license from Star Trek. I think that if they were to do the film now, that they would be able to do it. That they'd be able to get get Star Trek, you know, get uh, Roddenberry's estate and everybody on board. Yeah, and go. You know what? We're just poking fun. It's not a big deal. Like we're like these guys are just as bad as that. Like they're breaking the Lucasfilm like Skywalker Ranch. Right. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're just as bad as as intense Star Trek fans. But okay. but yeah, I mean, in 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 any case, it was still an awesome awesome movie. Um, all about 1999 i mean 10 years ago you know now right. almost 11 this yeah. may it'll be 11 years ago and uh i don't know it was one of those things that that when i talked to my friends about it those that really didn't have a cool memory of 99 and being in line to see star wars um they just kind of didn't connect with the movie. They were kind of like, yeah, it was all right. I don't know. It was kind of funny. Yeah. Good point. Kind of goofy, you know? And it's like, no, 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 no. If you were there, if you were in line, you know, in one of those thousands of lines all across North America, along with every other star Wars fan on the continent, you know, like waiting to see this movie, then fanboys, hits a chord with you, right? Like it, it really gets inside and, and, uh, yeah. And rings true. And I think that that's the biggest thing is that they could have just made it as like, Oh, it's star Wars related. So it's just a cash grab, you know, but they didn't, they made it. It's an authentic, you know, love letter to the year 1999. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, like a very specific moment in star Wars fandom. So, yeah, definitely. I think I think uh, you make a good point there about uh, who relates to the movie, and and I was right there. I mean, I bought my tickets for that movie a month in advance, and you know, I went to the theater that day, uh, yeah. probably eight or ten hours beforehand, just to make sure I was one of the first people online. And there were it was a pretty good line, um, so yeah. definitely, uh, I definitely related to that movie a lot, and uh, that's why I liked it so much. Is like I was right there with them, you know. So yeah cool um number five is the empire mugs back now i don't have any of these and apparently these are um i guess it was a charity project yeah these were like these were one-off one-off things um i think it started at comic-con and then they sort of they took it 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 extended a little bit past comic-con but um yeah what they essentially did was they took a bunch of mighty mugs 
right. they gave them to uh, Star Wars artists and Star Wars celebrities and and that sort of thing. And uh, and they said, here, customize these Mighty Mugs and make a, make a cool Mighty Mug, and yeah. then we're going to auction them off uh, for charity. So, um, you know, you had like Dave Filoni did one and, uh, and you had, uh, uh, the, the director of fanboys, um, Oh, Kyle Newman. Yeah. yeah Kyle Newman and, uh, Tom Hodges did one, you know, like there were just all of, all of the artists and everybody right. sort of pulled together and, and got together with this project, which is very cool. Oh yeah. Um, to, to see, you know, it was cool just to see the, the custom mighty mugs and then to see them, Steve Sansweet got one too. So. Yeah, yeah. It's so. funny ones, yeah. George yeah. Lucas and his pet AAT, AT. <laughs> you know, yeah, they got some some pretty neat looking ones. And it was for charity, Make a Wish Foundation. So Yeah, so it's a pretty cool project. Yeah, yeah. Um, so here we go with uh, number four. It's the Star Wars Essential Atlas. And I, I think they put this number four because uh, basically all the the books and, and uh, atlases and encyclopedias that came out um, the last the last year, and uh, how some of these were how well done some of these were. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we talked about last podcast, um, it's kind of hard to to get one of these things, and then you have an episode like last week where they kind of change everything. Yeah, and uh, that's when you mentioned the cycle. You know, what's the point of me buying one of these when you're going to change something every every other episode? Yeah. So, but some of these, you know, like the Atlas, um, I heard was really cool. I, I don't have it, but uh, I heard a lot of people talk about how how nice of a book that was. And uh, so, uh, that was number four on the yeah, list. Yeah, number four. I haven't I haven't even seen one, so I don't really have. I don't have a, a lot to say yeah. <laughs> about the no, Atlas. I don't have but it I'm either. I'm sure it was a cool book. I mean, I know that they put a lot of work into it and that it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number three is something that I got to see, and that was Star Wars in Concert. And uh, I think I would put that pretty high on the list for this year uh, with Anthony Daniels uh, narrating and get, uh, getting to see the uh, orchestra. Yeah, play all these songs that you've heard for so many years, and it's, it was it was pretty amazing. Um, and to, to watch the visuals in, in high definition made it just perfect. And everybody that I've known that has gone to this thing has loved it um, and said they would go again. And you know, we'll see if they come around again. Uh, I definitely recommend it, especially for I think it was thirty five dollars in my area to get a seat. Um, that was a no brainer. Got to see this thing. And then with the, all the uh, the artwork, the models, uh, the props. Um, even though certain areas got certain props, uh, it was still pretty cool. Still mm-hmm. a good time. So uh, definitely, probably top three in my book as well. And you didn't get to see it, but I uh, still hopefully... haven't gotten to see it. But I'm hoping that I will. You know, I'm hoping that that at some point I'll get to. But we'll see. Uh, and then on to number two, we got the second battle of Geonosis, and they're referring to the uh, story arc on Geonosis with the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. and uh, how how well that one episode was called "Landing at Point Rain," where Dave Filoni talked to George Lucas and said, "Hey, 
don't expect this every time. This was like, you know, a one shot here just to show what we can do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a pretty good episode. Everybody talked about the visuals and, and how they put this together and how much it looked like the first battle of Geonosis and Attack. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of that, Mike? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would put it at number two, because, uh, first of all, so far in season two of The Clone Wars, landing at Point Rain and the Geonosis stuff has not been... The best. Yeah. The best, I don't think. I think exactly. The Children of the Force has been the best. And then, uh, and then, I mean, I guess technically this past episode was... Uh, yeah, oh yeah. ...was yeah. 2010, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, I can see, I can see where they're coming from, and maybe from a Lucasfilm standpoint, from those people who are sort of more in it, which these guys are, um, the people who compiled this list, that it's more exciting because they're like they got the opportunity to recreate something from the films. Right. But I, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was definitely a cool chunk of episodes, and it definitely did like landing at Point Rain definitely did look a lot like the movies. So that was cool. But uh but yeah, I don't know. I I mean I would I would probably take some of this stuff off of this top ten and add some other stuff, but Yeah. But yeah. No, I maybe it was maybe it was just the fact that um all the work maybe it it it, yeah. uh, it took to put into that and that coupled with it being such a visually stunning episode. Um, like I said, like you said, we weren't involved in it. So yeah. maybe, yeah, we just watched that it. Was, maybe according to them, that was that was a high point for them. To yeah, there. really for me, landing at Point Rain has kind of been one of the bigger letdowns of the season so far. Because <laughs> like at first, I thought it was going to be a really cool episode, but then it just was kind of, I don't know, it kind of felt like more of the same. So I I might be alone on that, but um, but when they do new stuff, like we talked about last week with. Uh, with Anakin jumping into the middle of a space battle and, and that sort of thing. Like that is when I really applaud them and say, right. like, you know, you guys are doing amazing stuff that you're taking these half hour shows and turning them into mini movies. And you're doing things in star Wars that have never been done before without, you know, changing star Wars. It's, it's still the same, but you know, they're adding this other dimension to it, which, yeah. Which I don't feel like Landing a Point Rain did. I think that they did a really great job of recreating. Um, but then from there on, especially with the rest of the Genosis storyline, it was just kinda like Yeah. It was alright. It was kinda it was kinda par for the course. Yeah, you know, yeah I I'd agree with that. It wasn't the the best of, of season two. Yeah. Uh, but you know, maybe they're just talking about the sheer Yeah, just the just the technical aspect of it, right. the scope of going back to Genosis and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll lead us into the number one, um, the item of 2009, according to this article, and that was the Old Republic MMORPG and the trailer that came out. And, you know, I just watched this trailer again a couple more times the last couple of days. And, um, like always, I mean, it was probably one of the best trailers uh, that I've seen for Star Wars, just in the fact that it was, for me, they just seem grittier. Yeah. Um, I, I, I hate using this term, but I can't figure out another word. Like more adult, it was, um, you know, a little more on the edge, if you will, I guess. 
And then some oh, of the I techniques think... they used as far yeah. as the, uh, the slow motion stuff. I don't really call it bullet time because they don't really actually go around like the bullet camera did. Yeah. It was more just a just... slow motion thing, and it, it, just was, it just worked for me. And uh, I don't know if, again, I don't know if I put this at number one, but it's definitely in the, one of the top things of this year. Um, and you just, every, I think everybody that looked at that, I go, wow. I mean, here's the potential yeah. that we could have in a Star Wars movie is something like this. And well, I, I think know. I think to put this at number one, uh, maybe they're just saying kind of like the Old Republic as a as a whole, because the Old Republic video game is kind of coming together in the same way. Uh, I feel like Shadows of the Empire did, okay, back in the day, um, oh. and and a little bit similar to uh, to the Force Unleashed, which was on the 2008 top ten, or like the 2008 best of, yeah. Um, it's very similar, so I kind of understand. Like, it, this is a multimedia event, right? Like, and the thing is, is that we've got another year to go of this hyping it up, right? Um, right. So you can bet that we're probably going to see another trailer. I would think yeah. um, it might be more of a gameplay trailer, but I think we might see something CG because after after how this trailer was received, I can't imagine them passing up the opportunity to do another one. And yeah. uh, and show more of what they're thinking of doing. Um, so so yeah, I don't know. I can I, I can kind of understand why they put it at number one because you've got the online comic and you've got the the uh, all of the features of the game that they've been sort of unveiling. You've got the trailer. You've got uh, their message boards and forums, which are super busy and super popular. You know because people just want to know more and more and more about this game. Um, but I don't know if I put it at number one. I think I would have put Star Wars in concert number one, quite honestly, and I haven't even been yeah. to it. So um, I think that that's kind of the biggest thing of of 09 was yeah, that going so. around and that experience. But but I... I could agree with that. Is there anything I mean, else you would add? Or The only thing I could think of is maybe uh, the announcement of C5, but then I thought about it I go, well... I guess C five. I haven't been to a celebration, but yeah, they're talking about this one. It's like, what are what is going to be the major draw of this thing? Because there's no movies coming out. Um, are they going to show something for the live action series? I mean, I know they're going to they're going to promote the uh, Clone Wars series, of course. Yeah, but uh, I think a lot of people are just hoping that there's going to be something a little bigger to announce for the live action. Yeah. Something like yeah, that. You know, it'd be so cool if they just or star Wars in anything. 3d or something, yeah, or, you know, Blu-ray, anything. I mean, hopefully yeah. something like that'll come out. Of, of I'm sure, time. I'm sure we'll get something huge, but, um, but I think that's more of like a 2010 thing. I mean, I'm sure that'll be the number one. Yeah. Best of 2010. Yeah. But, uh, I'm trying to think what else, what else has happened in, in 2009 with star Wars that, uh, that I would put up there. Um, I mean, Clone Wars on Blu-ray. Yeah, I would put in there. I would because I got Star Wars on Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah, like the 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 TV series coming out on Blu-ray, season one on Blu-ray was was it it was a pretty big deal for me. Like when I finally got when I finally managed to get my hands on a copy and bring it home and watch it. You know, it's pretty awesome and all of the special features and special features yeah. um i honestly i would have put the um the art of clone wars book 
in there because I don't know if anybody else has gotten it yet, but uh, but I got it for Christmas, and uh, it is it is the best art book that I've got of oh, yeah. all of the Star Wars because I've got Episode two and three. Um, I got the the art of Star Trek as well from the new movie for Christmas. Um, I mean, I've got I got I've I have a good half dozen other art books, and. Uh, and this one just blows them out of the water. The okay. yeah. the amount of thought and 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 just artistic talent that went into season one of the Clone Wars is just yeah. I don't think that anything else has has come close. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit different when you go to the Star Wars movies and and you know George Lucas has this sort of unlimited budget and can just hire as many people as he wants. And you've got like 30 artists working on the project, but then you go to something like clone wars and it's so much more focused and it's so much more like the artists are all kind of on the same wavelength. They're all going for the same sort of stuff. Um, and you've only got so many of them. There's only, there's only, you know, a few major lead artists on it, not like five or six, like there were on the, on the films films yeah um, you've really got two or three artists that are really contributing a lot of the style and uh, and just to see it and just to see how everything came together and and to see the art and how well executed the art was to the screen which i think is something that that uh, the prequels sort of missed on is that man Ian McKaig and uh, and and Doug Chang and yeah. and mm-hmm. some of those other artists, um, they did ridiculous, ridiculous concept work that was just so awesome. I mean, if Anakin had looked in Episode One like he did in that art book, where he was sort of he you know he looked more like the kid from uh, from the the from Diego. Uh, and that was that was sort of a nod for them. Uh, what, what was his name? I can't remember his name. The kid that built all the droids and stuff. Right, um, yeah. The the original concept. I mean, that character's look was inspired by that original concept art of Anakin. Um, and if he had looked like that in the movie, it would have it would have completely changed the character. And I think that it would have made him a little bit more. Likeable. Likeable. Yeah. I think that like I think that there were a lot of missed opportunities there. And I think that's because um George Lucas was kind of just doing his thing rather than being democratic in it and saying, you know, like what what do you guys think looks good? No. He just hired, you know, a, a billion artists and then every week would or every day would get them to post all their art on the wall and come along with a stamp and just stamp it. Stamp things, yeah. You know, or say put this guy's head on that guy's body or something like that. Which I think um as much as I appreciate what he's done with, with the films, I think that that sort of attitude is where they fell short. That's where they kinda went wrong. In in that it was just other people executing his vision, right. which I which I don't think is necessarily the way that movies should work. Um, Cause it's really supposed to be more of a collaboration. You hire the best people because you know, you're going to get the best product out of them. And that's what a good director is. A good director is someone who knows how to delegate, knows how to find the right people for the right job. 
sort of thing. Um, and and I feel like you get a little bit more of that in the Clone Wars because you get these artists that that what they come up with really ends up on the screen, and that's as an artist that's really cool to me. Maybe I'm just being oh no definitely. egocentric and just thinking <laughs> from the artist's point of view, but but that's me. Uh, now this Clone Wars art of Clone War, uh, Wars yeah. book, did that does that have spoilers in it for season two? It does. That's it's yeah. actually got the um, the picture of Boba Fett, of the young Boba Fett. Oh, okay, um, right, right. And some of the Mandalorians and stuff like that. Uh, okay. So uh, you kind of have an idea of what's coming up. It's right here, so I'll just crack it open while we're recording. It's right here on my table. Oh. And I'll uh, and I'll flip to the back. So if you're a spoiler. Yeah, part part five or uh, four of the book is season two, so it's got. Uh, let's see, that's a little bit of the Felucia thing. Cato uh, Parasiti, Duchess Satine is in here. Oh, okay. And this book came out a while ago. Um, the Jedi Ambassador Shuttle. Let's see. What else do we have in here? Some of these new, the new ships that have ended up in in season two already were in here. There's one character. Uh, let's see below Cassie Cryar, who we have not seen yet or heard anything about, um, but she's in here and and uh, and I think that we're gonna see her later on. The uh, there's there's the Twi'lek farm girl from this episode that we're talking about today. Okay. As well as the Reek concept art that, um, and you can see that that the Twilight Farm Girl is with three other people, two kids, and uh, and what looks like a human male. And had I looked closer, I might have been able to predict what was going to happen in this episode. Yeah, definitely. and then yeah, we've we've got this uh, the concept art of uh, of Boba um, by Dave Filoni, and okay. uh, and then you've got. This uh, a picture of the Coruscant underworld that kind of goes along with it. So I would imagine that that's where we're going to see him if we do oh, see. Okay. Yeah, this season. it's probably the same picture that they showed at Comic Con, and I'm seeing, I'm assuming then probably yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it is the same one. It's the same concept art. But yeah, oh, that'd be cool to see the. You know, we saw some of the Coruscant underworld um, in episode two. So yeah. I think we might be going back there. That's kind of nice. Well, we just, saw that in the Clone Wars too. Just a tip for anybody who is now excited about this book and wants to go out and get it: um, don't buy it at the store. Don't go into your local bookstore to get it because it is fifty dollars US, and uh, it's about it's about seventy or eighty Canadian. And uh, and my girlfriend found it on Amazon for uh, like forty bucks. Canadian, oh, no. so like half price almost. Yeah. So go online, pick it up online because these art books can be expensive, and it you know they're worth it. They're well worth it in yeah. most instances. But uh, but if you can go online and get it cheaper, then why wouldn't you? You know, um, oh, yeah. any books really go go just go to Amazon. It's the <laughs> cheapest place to get books for sure. Yeah, and they're not even sponsoring us, but we're saying go to Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> maybe they will soon. Yeah. Oh, and for those who had the question, that just brings up a good question because I got a couple of emails. I forgot to put the sponsor on last week, so they still are our sponsor, and you'll have heard the sponsor at the beginning of this week. Uh, I just forgot to put it on there because it's a new thing that we're doing, uh, and and I just I have to clip it on to the beginning of every episode. So, 
Um, so I just forgot. So don't worry. We do still have a sponsor. We are still going to be doing prizes and all that sort of stuff. But they also haven't really tracked a lot of people going and taking advantage of the deal. So I would say to everybody, get out there and do it. Do it because it's worth it because, you know, you get that one free audio book. Um, I've actually signed up for the monthly thing now because I just want to get audio books yeah. every month because quite honestly, like, I don't know anybody who could keep up. I don't like actually that's not true. I know a couple of people who could, but they're ridiculous human beings that can read it like an entire pocket novel in an afternoon. So um, definitely not me. Yeah, and that's not me. That is totally not me. But what I can do is listen to eight hours of podcasts in a day while I'm sitting working on the computer. So I can listen to, you know, an audio book a month along with all the other podcasts that I listen to. So if you're the type of guy, type of person, I should say, that, that listens to a lot of podcasts and hates it when you run out of podcasts in the week and, uh, and you've listened to all your podcasts and nobody's updated and there's nothing new and then you send emails to me saying... Where's the next episode of the podcast? Um, yeah. Look into getting audiobooks from, from audible.com because it, it sort of fills in the gaps in between waiting for episodes of, uh, of podcasts. Definitely, definitely. So uh, we've rambled on enough. I think we need to uh, we need there to, it is. to the recap. Yeah, so that was the, uh, the list for 2009. And yeah. uh, there's some things we agree on, things that we think should be moved around. So... Uh, if you want to check that out, just go to StarWars.com. So now we are headed over to the weekly recap. You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Okay, here we go. General Grievous thought of battle droids emerged from a downed escape pod with a destroyed transmitter in the Salukumai wilderness. Grievous spots Kenobi's Jedi transport landing on the horizon. The general must hurry to find an escape pod with a working transmitter to get off-world. The only other pod is known to have survived. Only one other pod is known to have survived. Grievous rides through the underbrush atop a reek, leading his weary troops. It was very cool to see a, a reek, yeah. but uh, yeah. I, just, I really liked the reek. It's kind of like a dinosaur rhinoceros. Um, yeah. Kenobi and Captain Rex begin deploying biker scouts and ATTE tanks to search for Grievous. Obi-Wan finds the wreckage of the crashed landing ship. He then assigns teams to split up to search for the escape pods. Rex will take a speeder bike team with Jesse, Hardcase, and Kix to scour the wetlands while Obi-Wan, Commander Cody, and Chris will continue the search along the dry territory. Uh, Chris and Cody find a downed escape pod. Kenobi pulls out the shattered battle droid from within to inspect it on the go. You know, um, there was a shot, and op- one of the opening shots here of this was uh, mm-hmm. Obi-Wan and Rex. They were kind of walking down the uh, ramp of one of the destroyers. And uh, what drew me to that shot was just like the, the use of the scale and how mm-hmm. in the distance they showed the destroyer and then uh, they showed some walkers coming down it and then uh, yeah. one of Rex talking there. So I thought that was a cool little little shot there of, of, of scale, the use of scale. So uh, then you talk I just about, have to go ahead. I just have to comment on the speeder bikes because there are few things I mean like a lot of the sounds in Star Wars are iconic, but there are few things that get me 
as much as the sound of a speeder bike oh yeah taking off <laughs> like like when it first like that that sound of it like revving up like you know when when they kick the pedal and then you know sort of revs up and then shoots off into the distance and makes that echo sound yeah i just love it it just it it puts me right there just being you know 10 years old again watching <laughs> Return of the jedi because yeah. the because the speeder bike sequence is one of my all-time favorite sequences from all of star wars oh, yeah. i mean i think the speeder bike sequence outdoes the pod race by about a hundred times yeah uh but that's a that's an old school fan for you <laughs> I know that there are kids out there that think that the pod race is one of the coolest sequences in all of Star Wars. So, yeah. um, Rex's biker team speeds through the wetlands. They are targeted by a commando droid sniper team. Rex takes a shot to the chest and is knocked off his bike. The rest of the squad destroys the commandos. Rex is badly wounded, though. So here we go. Uh, this was kind of a shock to me. You see uh, Rex yeah. get thrown down, and, and of course we don't know what's going to happen with Rex. He's kind of like Ahsoka. Uh, yeah. He's one of the central characters that we don't know what's going to happen. So uh, it's like, know, oh, I, he got hit. Look out. What's going on? Here? Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I was really worried because he's not with Anakin. Yeah. Right? So I was thinking, like, you know, if they're going to kill him, this is going to be when they're going to do it. They're going to do it when Anakin's not around so that Anakin is upset about it, you know, so that he's like, if I was there, it would have been different, you know, and, and, and his possessiveness and his attachment would have, you know, would have been one of those steps towards the dark side um, because he has a definite connection to Rex. And, uh, and when he took that shot to the chest, I was like, Oh, this might be it. (laughs) This yeah. might be it, you know, like that would, us, yeah. that would just be the way to do it out of nowhere, just out of it's nowhere. Yeah. The second episode of 2010 after that excellent episode before where everybody was awesome, you know, and you saw everybody working together and just being totally wicked. You're like, man, these characters are all so great to just get rid of one. Yeah. But uh, it, it and it might also be foreshadowing for later on in the season. Right. So, yeah. We'll have to look out for that. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Chris and Cody crack into their captive battle droids' memory banks. They determine that the doomed escape pod fired its maneuvering thrusters before it impacted in order to avoid a midair collision with another pod. At Kenobi's order, uh, Cody begins calculating the landing point for the, the second pod. Kix, the squad's medic, does a cursory examination of Rex. He'll need to remove his armor to get a clearer picture, but the squad feels too vulnerable in the open fields here. Jesse spots domesticated Eopies nearby and posits that are, are, that are on a farmland. The clones decide to look for the homestead on his farm. Jesse makes a makeshift lifter to carry Rex along his bark speeder. I really like the, the moment here where Rex was like, no, you know, pursue, like, finish the mission. Right. Like do do what you guys need to do. Just leave me. I'll be fine. And and uh, or or he says like just put me on my speeder. I'll be fine. Yeah. We need we need to get this done. And kicks goes. Uh, actually, um, as the field medic, uh, I actually outrank you yeah. in this in this instance. Yeah. And it was like it, you could see that he was kind of awkward saying it. He was kind of like um, I don't want to piss you off yeah. because I'm sure that other people have pissed off Rex in the past. And he's 
dealt with them accordingly. <laughs> all due respect, uh, so, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah, I, I just thought that was a funny, like that was just a funny army moment yeah. to see that these guys, even though they're all, you know, they're all clones, and and it sort of goes with the rest of the episode that that even though they're clones and they're bred to be obedient and all that sort of thing, that they do still they're free thinking, and that's the whole point. Right. So sometimes they go against. They want to go against orders, and Rex is determined, and he wants to go against against their code of conduct and you know their regulations, and instead just continue pursuing him. But you know he, yeah, you know that puts him in his place. Oh yeah, for a second. So uh, as the Seleucami sun sets, they the clones find the farmhouse. They are met by Sue, a pink twilight female, who points a blaster rifle at them. Jesse explains they are not looking for trouble, only for a place to tend to their fallen officer. Sue agrees to let them say, stay in the barn. Sue's children, a five-year-old girl named Shaia, and a four-year-old boy named Jack, look on with curiosity. We want no trouble here. Easy with that weapon, ma'am. We're here as friends. State your business. Our captain's been hurt. We need... I'm no doctor, so just... We have a medic, ma'am. We just need a place to tend him overnight. Mommy! Get back inside, both of you. Oh, oh Mom! Uh, look, there are some benches out back in the barn. It's the best I can do. That'll be fine, ma'am. Thank you. So here we get uh, introduced to uh, the uh, Sue which is a, a pink twilight and her two children. Um, yeah. And we got a pink twilight now. I think this is the first time we've seen a pink twilight. So uh, it's like Skittles going around here with these twilights. We've got green, pink. <laughs> uh, see what else they come up with. All sorts of different colors, yeah. Yeah. But she's got, she's got the French accent, yeah. which, uh, which I thought is, is cool, you know, to give them sort of an identity. Right. Um, which other people, you know, non-Star Wars fans look at that and they, and they make – comments about stuff like that like similar to uh the gungans and how they all kind of have that uh jamaican bahama trinidad sort of accent and uh and it's like you know what most of them really don't have much of an accent but jar jar has a really thick one so they attribute that and then they they say oh well you know it's it's racist or whatever but um it's it's really not because ahmed best is you know that's his accent when he talks in his normal voice he has an accent and he just gave that accent to jar jar and put it in part of, as part of his personality yeah. so uh, if, if you know if he's doing it then I, I i don't think you can really claim that it's uh, yeah exactly that it's racist he kind of maybe dressed but, it up uh, a little bit but yeah. yeah and then people say oh well george lucas cast him so it's like well no george lucas cast him as a vocal and and uh a body performer, same as Peter Jackson does with Andy Serkis. Right. Yeah. You know, like the, the, there are people, and and Guillermo del Toro does with. Uh, oh, his name's escaping me right now. Um, but the guy who plays Abe Sapien uh, in in the Hellboy movies. Oh yeah, you know, like uh... he's in, he's in uh, he's in every single one of one of Guillermo del Toro's movies uh, since Hellboy. So like because these guys are just amazing. Uh, vocal and and body performers that 
that they give the CG artists a lot to work with, or they can work through makeup and stuff like that. You know, so like, well, I don't, I don't see it as a bad thing yeah. when they decide to give these different races uh, unearth analog, I guess, like to you know to sort of correlate them to a culture on our planet so that they're relatable. And it's like now Twilight's never really had a personality before. We only ever met a couple, right? right? Really just, you know, Bib Fortuna was the only one that we had an extended uh, exposure to in the films. Yeah, you know, Ayla Sakura was there, but she didn't really do anything. Um, And then then just to give them sort of that that personality of... of, uh, France, and then you know when we get to uh, the the whole the the final trilogy of uh, of episodes in uh, season one, um, and to give them that like sort of resistance fighter feeling, you know, World War Two homage. I think it was cool stuff. So so I like that they're continuing. With well, who was the, the, who was the Twilight that was in the Clone Wars? Uh, the very end there, big fat uh, Twilight. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Oh, the senator. Senator, yeah. Uh, yeah Orn Frita. Orn Frita. Yeah, Orn Frita. Yeah, he's in the films as the well. Films, right. If you watch, yeah. yeah. So they yeah. had him too. Um, Kicks dresses Rex's chest wound with back to bandage. Rex awakens to find his arm useless due to nerve damage. Kicks nonetheless declares Rex very lucky. A few inches to the left, the commando's shot would have pierced his heart. Rex wants to get moving, but Kix countermands his order, using his authority as medic. Oh, that's when he did it. Sorry. It's out of <laughs> Rex needs to stay in foot in order to heal. Uh, Sue comes with food for the clones. Her impulsive daughter, Shia, is that? Is I think that, it's Shia. Is it just Shia? Shia? Yeah. Uh, sneaks a peek at the clones and blurts that Rex resembles her father. Sue explains that her husband is away delivering the farm's first harvest. And she leaves the, the clones be. Recognizing that he must stay put, Rex orders the squad to resume the search for Grievous without him. He puts Jesse in command. So here's the uh, a little clue here that um, something that's going to go on here. And this is uh, Shia yeah. recognizes Rex. And he goes, hey, you look like uh, my dad. And I think uh, Sue, the mother, obviously recognizes it as well and is not going to say anything so she yeah. uh she probably obviously knew who they were when they came riding up on the speeders and knew that she was probably going to yeah. be okay so hey here's a barn you can go stay in it heal up and, and get out of here um but uh here's a first hint that uh we might be coming up on another clone that's not in the army anymore yeah go ahead mike uh, where are we? Night, night falls. falls. Yeah, night, night falls. The light of Seleucami's moons light the wilderness. Kenobi's armored column finds an escape pod, and there is no sign of Grievous. Kenobi find, uh, figures the general must have headed west to another pod. He radios Rex to rendezvous at the western pod, but reaches Jesse instead, who gives him a quick update on Rex's condition. Meanwhile, Grievous and his droids continue to plod forward and are a kilometer away from the last skate pod. Back at the homestead, Rex tries to sleep, but he is awakened by a nosy, a nosy EOP. 
The farmer returns home and visits Rex with much caution, carrying his staff in case his guest isn't really. Rex instinctively grabs his sidearm, but the farmer disarms him, and the farmer steps into the moonlight, and both Rex and the farmer are surprised by what they see. The farmer is a clone trooper. <clears throat> the clone introduces himself as Cut Lockwain. Uh, Rex realizes what he is looking at, a deserter. Rex has no patience for those who would abandon their duty and makes his contempt known. Cut explains himself, saying he made a choice not to kill for a living and that his duty is now to his adopted family. Just then, Sue and the children enter the barn and invite Rex to dinner. My name is Laquane, Cut Laquane, and I'm just a simple farmer. You're a deserter. Well, I like to think I'm merely exercising my freedom to choose. To choose not to kill for a living. That is not your choice to make. You swore an oath to the Republic. You have a duty. I have a duty. You're right. But it's to my family. Does that count, or do you still plan to turn me in? So here we get to the meat of this of this episode and the beginning of, of some great dialogue and some great interaction between uh, Cut Laquane and Rex. And this, here's where we're introduced to uh, Cut Laquane, who is a tro- uh, clone mm-hmm. trooper, uh, as we find out, has left the army. And, and at this point, we're not sure why he's he's left. Um, you know, Rex calls him a deserter, but we haven't exactly yeah. found out why he deserted, and we will find that out later. But Basically, all he is now, he's just a family man, you know, he's, he's got his kids, his wife, and he's out on the farm, and he just wants to be left alone to uh, continue his life, so here's, here we go. Yeah. yeah. This is why I think that we need to be introduced to the concept of the ARC Troopers and the, and the Clone Commandos, so that we can hear them say on the show, for those who don't read the books, that there are different levels of Clone Troopers that have different levels of independence, so those rank and file clone troopers they'll pretty much just do what they're told like they just follow orders that's what they do but when you get up into the commanders like rex and commander cody you get higher up into the ranks they 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 aren't chosen they were bred that way right they were bred to be the commanders and stuff um and they're given a little bit more freedom of choice and they're not quite as docile and uh obedient as the others because uh, in the in the Republic Commando series, we hear about this, um, and uh, and there's uh, in one of the books in the Cess's Deception, which is one of the Clone Wars novels, uh, the one with Obi Wan and Kit Fisto, um, the Arc Trooper that is with um, that's with Kit Fisto, they go and they they train like a local militia on the planet and uh and this arc trooper meets a woman who once had a relationship with Django Fett. So she like they have this connection and he ends up he's the first clone trooper to to take a name rather than just be a number or a designation. So this is really early on in the Clone Wars. So he was the first one to do that. He takes a name and uh um, I can't remember what his name. You're talking about, um, you're not talking about like Jastrom Real or anything like that, are you? No, no, it's, 
It's something with a J. I can't oh, remember uh, what it is. Uh, but it's it means brother in Mandalorian. I know that. J- uh, um, cast. Yeah, that might be it. It might be something like that. Um, and uh, and and he ends up staying behind. He ends up not going with with Kit Fisto and the rest of the clone troopers and Obi Wan when they leave, uh, and he just stays on the planet. So this isn't like this. This character of uh, of Cut uh, Lockwain is not the first clone trooper to do this, and definitely not the first one. Even in like in the in the in the yeah. EU. Yeah, so we uh, we've we've heard about this sort of thing happening before. Um, over a succulent meal of roast nuna, Cut and Rex continue to debate their positions. Cut underscores that despite their identical generic heritage or genetic heritage, Rex and Cut are individuals. Rex insists he is making an individual choice to serve the Republic, for he feels the war is crucial to the preservation of civilization. Though Cut may disagree with him, he allows Rex to voice his opinion, for he believes everyone is titled to their beliefs. Now, there was a line in here by Rex, um, and this was a, a great line. He says, uh, "Being in something to the effect of being in the army is uh, meaningful because it is, uh, he is like one of the most important parts uh, of the Republic, or the most pivotal part mm-hmm. uh, of the Republic, and that is uh, fighting um, with the Jedi to get rid of, you know, they don't know it's Sidious yet, but uh, basically. But the Separatists, separatists yeah, yeah, to to just to get rid of any right. threat, really. And uh, again, some great dialogue between these two, um, and some great yeah. writing, and it, it continues on as well. But uh, um, not simple stuff for kids to be watching, no, you know, no. like it, this really challenges the younger viewers like i know you've got you've got your younger one at home that watches the clone wars with you yeah. every week and uh and i'm sure that for him it's you know he it's he may not be completely there he may not be completely you know catching exactly what they're talking about but it's putting that little bit of thought into it right that that makes it different from just watching you know an episode of pokemon or something <laughs> like that where it's just yeah. like you know, the biggest message that they ever put in one of those is friends are the best ever, you know, and like that's not, it's not that simple. Life is not that simple. And to challenge kids, you know, the the eight, nine, ten year olds and say, you know, there's complicated stuff out there. And, you know, even though that these guys are all supposed to be warriors and it's cool, you know, we watch Clone Wars every week and we see it really glorifies war, right? But then you get this character who jumps in here and says, you know, I, it's it's not all it's cracked up to be. I decided that I didn't want to kill for a living, that I wanted to, yeah. you know, have a family and be a farmer and contribute to life instead yeah. of, you know, destroy it. That and, and that just, not to make a judgment one way or the other, because I agree with both sides of the yes, argument, yes. But just to just for them to put it out there to say, look, there are options and there there's a role for everybody. You know, it's just as important to be a family man as it is to be the sort of person that goes out there and defends the world. You know, um, so just to to put those thoughts into the kids' heads and to challenge them to start thinking that way, 
in a kids TV show, I think uh, is a really oh, great yeah. thing. And I, and, you know, th- there might not be such aims when they write these episodes uh, and they might just be writing it for us, for the adults that are yeah. watching to keep us interested. But regardless of whether or not they mean to do it, they are doing it. And that's one of the things that makes the clone Wars such a great series oh, yeah. compared to a lot of the other children's programming that's on right yeah. now. Well, they, they also talk about uh, Rex and Cut talk about uh, Cut says, "Hey, Rex, come on, you've thought about leaving leaving the army." He's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and it, it kind of puts a little doubt in Rex's mind. Um, well, you see that he has thought yeah, about def- it. That when he says that, he goes, he's like, he doesn't want to yeah, admit yeah. it. Like he's really hesitant to say mm-hmm, yes. Yeah. Um, but you can tell that he's kind of like he's because he says he says maybe, but, you know, my duty is to the Republic and I know where I'm needed, that sort of thing. You know, and he sort of he sort of puts an end to it by saying, you know what, you're not going to get me to desert like this. You can't you can't talk right, me into yeah. this like this is my life. This is who I am. And, yeah, we're individuals. Fine. But as an individual, this is what I do. You know, I think. I think Rex enjoys it oh, quite yeah, a lot, yeah. like being a soldier. He's just, that's his personality, just to and be a soldier. And he's, you know, he's with Anakin, so for the most part. Uh, yeah. So, I, I, you know, I've talked about their relationship and and uh, what's going on with that, and it continues to get more interesting as this series goes on. Yeah, for sure. So, in the wetlands, as the Republic forces close in, Grievous finds the escape pod. He orders the battle droid aboard to send a distress signal to the remains of his orbital fleet and dispatch a, sh- a shuttle to rescue him. After dinner, Rex and Cut continue their conversation in private over a game of Jajaric, hollow chess. Cut explains the days he left the army. Shortly after, bat- after the Battle of Geonosis, Cut's uh, troop transport was flanked by separatist gunships that blasted them out of the air. The droids continued to fire, killing the wounded one by one. Cut knew that in order to survive, uh, he would need to flee. His reflection is cut short as Shay and Jack run in, asking for permission to go out and play since their chores are finished. Cut allows them, as long as they stay near the house. Rex admires the children, and Cut vows uh, that he will do whatever he can uh, to keep them safe. Shortly after the Battle of Geonosis, our troop transport got caught between two separatist gunships. They fired on us with everything they had. We crashed. Most of us were either dead or severely injured. So when they started working their way through the wounded, killing us off, I knew there was no hope. I ran. It still haunts me. I'm sorry. It's the day I felt my life didn't have any meaning. Everyone I cared about, my team, was gone. I was just another expendable clone, waiting for my turn to be slaughtered in a war that made no sense to me. Can you understand that, Rex? I've been in countless battles and lost many brothers. They were my family, my home. So here's another fantastic scene. I love this scene. First of all, we get, uh, well, here we go. We find out why cut left the uh, Republic. Um, he's yeah. basically saying in the Battle of Geonosis, um, he was an expendable clone. 
uh, you know, waited, you know, waiting to be slaughtered, uh, and, it, and it made no sense to him. As far as Cut is concerned, at, at that point, the war made no sense. He saw all, all his brothers dying, yeah. and and to him, um, you know, it wasn't worth it anymore. He says, "I'm I'm out," you know. And some, like I said, great dialogue between Cut and Rex um, over a battle or a game of Dejaric, which is kind of like a Sabak, I guess. Um, and yeah, well, it's hollow the hollow chest. chest that they play on the on the Millennium yeah. Falcon, right? And uh, and they did an awesome job of recreating. Oh yeah, definitely. It. Um, I would have liked a little bit more detail in each of the little Dejaric uh, monsters. But uh, they, they kind of cartooned them up a little bit too much for my liking. Um, but so like the, the detail that they went to to make sure that they had that stop motion sort of yeah, shimmer to them. Yeah, that's what they were going for, right? Um, yeah, like they did it on exactly. purpose. You know, they could have made it look perfect, but they, it, but they didn't. They, they made it authentic to how the Dejaric table looked in Star Wars. So, so uh, I thought yeah. that was really cool. Well, it's funny that uh, in that commentary, um, like you said, Dave Filoni was going for that look, and then I think he said something about George was going to look at it, or he looked at it and said, "Well, how come you can't make it smoother, or why don't you make it smoother? Because we can now." And then, and Filoni was yeah. like, "Well, no, that's not the kind of look I was going for. I, I wanted it to look like choppy and jumpy." See, there's therein lies the difference between the Clone Wars exactly. and the prequels. Yeah. George has no connection with the fans. <laughs> Absolutely and not. Floney like does, he, yeah. He sits in his office and just makes the movies he wants to make regardless of what we think. Um, which is very apparent. And that's like, I'm not making a judgment one way or the other. Yeah. I'm just saying. That's the yeah. way he does things. Filoni is not like that. He knows that if he were to make it smooth, that we would be upset. That we would be like, why do you do that? That's part of the charm of the Dejaric table is that it's stop motion, that they're these little stop motion monsters and that they have this little jerky movement to them. And, uh, and, and he appreciates that and, and, and looks at it and goes, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to follow through on this. I'm going to make sure that these move the same way that they, that they're supposed to. I mean, like it's, it's sort of, it's no different than if you were to throw an AT-AT into into the Clone Wars, you wouldn't have it running along at a trot, you know? You'd have it slowly moving and lumbering towards, you know, in that exact same manner that it was in Empire Strikes Back because that's how they work, you know? That's how it goes. And and you have to respect that and you want to recreate it. And, you know, you recreate that stuff and the space battles and everything – as best as you can, why wouldn't you recreate the Dejaric table as best as you can? Like, if there was a Dianaga at, at some point or another, I would expect its eye to shoot up out of the water, peek around a couple of times, and then shoot yeah. back down. Exactly the same way, right? Like, I wouldn't expect it to, like, slink its way out and, you know, make all these movements. Yeah, sure, now they can do that, but... I want it to look exactly the same way that it looked in Star Wars because that's how, like, that's what a Dianaga looks like yeah. to me, you know? Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that, that Filoni, Dave Filoni connects a little more now than, than Lucas. And, and thankfully, yeah. Lucas is letting him, you know, do what he's got to do. Like, like we said earlier, 
you know, I know we can make it smoother or whatever, but, you know, we're trying to, to go for a look here. We're, we're doing a throwback here, and, and I think everybody was like, that's cool. I mean, I thought that was that looked great, you know. Um, yeah. You know, you, you said something about a little more detail on the figures, but as far as the how they made it play out, as far as the it looked like it was stop motion and everything, I mean, that was perfect. I mean, there's no reason to, to go and try to yeah. make it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the movement, all of the the pieces like all of the monsters that uh, were on the table it's all perfect it was all exactly the way yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be you know cool so um at the transmitting escape pod the battle droids prepare for combat one fires a missile that hobbles obi-wan's approaching atte jack and shia play hide and seek in the fields and the boy spots a downed escape pod the two children uh, two children peer inside Shea accidentally flips a switch that powers up the interior, and 20 commando droids suddenly spring to life. Uh, the terrified kids run back to the farmhouse, warning the adults of what they saw. Cut checks the fields with his macro binoculars and spots the commando droids approaching. He tells Sue to take the children upstairs while he arms himself to protect the house. Rex volunteers to help, but Cut sees he is injured. Cut asks Rex to go upstairs and serve as the last line of defense for his family while he takes point. Cut shuts off the lights in the house, barricades the door, and takes up position. The droids cut through a back entrance, but Cut blasts them. Others try through windows, through the windows. Back in the wetlands, Grievous is relieved to see a separatist shuttle emerge from the skies. The remaining ATTE tries to blast it, but its cannon overheats. Obi-Wan leaps into the fray and crosses lightsabers with Grievous. That was a pretty cool scene there, um, starting in, uh, with uh, Kenobi jumping off his ATTE uh, as incoming uh, yeah. kind of missile came in. That was a cool shot, and he lights up, and then here we go. So we got some cut action going here. We got Obi-Wan going after Grievous, and then we got Cut and Rex battling these um, commando droids. So, so there's some great action here and coming up. Uh, see, back at the farmhouse, the commandos try to infiltrate the house via the cellar. Blaster fire collapses some crossbeams atop Cut, pinning him under debris. He calls to Rex to be ready. Rex blasts several droids while Cut digs himself out, taking out droids with his bare hands. Exhausted, the two clones destroy the last of the commandos. The farmhouse is safe. It was pretty impressive, two clone yeah. troopers. One that's injured and one that's out yeah. of practice. Um, taking out 20 commando droids. So, like, that in itself leads me to believe that, yes, Cut was at one point yeah. a commander. Yeah. Like, that he wasn't just a regular That's what I was going to ask you cause... if you thought he was some, some more of a rank than just a, a regular guy. Because he seems yeah. to have a lot of skill. And uh, sounds like he yeah. might have been the leader, one of the command, uh, commanders as far as the Battle of Geonosis. So, yeah, I, I'd agree yeah. with you there. Uh, Grievous orders the shuttle to abort its landing attempts. The zone is too hot for an extraction. The general improvises, firing a cable at the passing shuttle. It latches on and the shuttle flies away, leaving his troops and the Republic forces behind. Kenobi is crestfallen. Grievous has escaped once again. And, you know, this is funny here... Uh, you can kind of hear the frustration in Obi-Wan Kenobi because 
He oh, is, he is, is mad. pissed off. The crestfallen, crestfallen. I don't yeah. know if that's really the word. That's to a nice way it. of saying, yeah. Like he's, yeah, he's po'd. Like he is ready to. Like I, I wouldn't have walked up to him and been like, you know, we'll we'll get him. Don't yeah. worry, we'll get him. You know, because he would have turned around and just like punched you in the face. Like he was. Yeah, mad. He even says like you can just hear it in his voice when he says, "Come pick us up." It's like, man, I'm tired of this guy always sneaking. You know, getting away on me and uh, crestfallen yeah. is a nice way to put it. We'll keep it like that, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a nice peachy yeah, way of saying yeah. it. Uh, the next morning, Rex loads up his gear on an EOP and prepares to leave. Uh, Sue asks if he will uh, report his husband's whereabouts. Uh, though it's Rex's duty to do so, he suggests perhaps that this uh, his injuries may prevent him from disclosing a fully accurate report. Cut thanks him for his discretion. Rex still brands Cut a deserter, but he does not call him a coward. All right. That should do it. Captain Rex, are you going to turn in my husband? I'm sorry, Sue. It's my duty. But in my condition, I probably won't remember any of this. Thank you. You're still a deserter, Cut. But you're certainly not a coward. Captain Rex, are you still with us? Yes, General Kenobi. I'm still with you, and thankfully on the men, sir. That's great news. We certainly missed you at the party. Sorry, sir, I had to attend one of my own. Can't wait to hear about it. We're standing by. You're welcome to stay, Rex. This is your home, Cut. My family is elsewhere. Good boy. Bye. So we end with uh, Rex deciding not to uh, turn Cut into the Republic and uh, basically Rex saying, you know, I, I can kind of understand what's going on here and my family is elsewhere. Yeah. And this opens up uh, a few things for me that um, after reading the mailbag, maybe I'll get into a little more because um, it kind of goes into what I wanted to, to discuss about how this ended and kind of this whole episode in general especially when Cut comes in and some of the stuff they discuss and um, how the clones are so much different than the stormtroopers of old of the OT. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, as far as the episode, though, I mean, like I said earlier, the, uh, the Obi-Wan and Grievous was just kind of some filler, some action to, to keep you going. But this, this episode was about Cut LeQuain and his... Uh, decision to leave the army and why he did so and Rex kind of uh, going along with it and and realizing that wow you know he's kind of making some good points here Uh, I don't think it's going to affect Rex as far as leaving the army I think like you said he's this is this is what he likes to do yeah well he says at the end he says my family is elsewhere and you can kind of tell that he's referring to Anakin and Ahsoka and his troops and you know yeah. like that's that's what he's yeah. saying you know so that was it um uh, what'd you think uh as far as this episode Mike I, yeah. a, it was a good episode it definitely brought up some stuff that that I'm happy yeah. that it brought up in into the official Star yeah. Wars canon uh it sort of puts those questions out there for the fans who just watch the movies and the tv show so um so yeah, I'm interested to see if they if they sort of return to this idea, which I'm sure they will. I mean, this isn't the first time that they've that they've 
even brought up the idea of not fully loyal clones in this series yeah. because uh, Hidden Enemy was uh, was a similar sort of idea. Only um, he wasn't a deserter; he was a he was just a traitor. Traitor. Various. Uh, yeah, uh, but it was the same sort of idea of like of you know wanting to be an individual and not wanting to live out life just to die for yeah. the Republic. Uh, which is the opposite of how Rex and Cody feel, for sure. They they will die for the Republic. Uh, but let's let's jump into the mailbag because we actually have a question specifically. Well, not a question, but some comments specifically about okay. this episode. So uh, let's segue over to the mailbag. Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. What happened? Uh, head flight, weapons malfunction, but uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? So <laughs> here we go into the mailbag. Do you want to you want to read the mailbag, Mike? Okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, after watching the episode "The Deserter," it got me thinking again about the fate of Captain Rex. I personally would like to see Rex survive the Clone Wars series and to be put into a special edition of Revenge of the Sith, where he kills Ahsoka in Order sixty six. We are continually seeing the relationship between these two growing further. Uh, we get into the Clone War series. To see Rex turn on Ahsoka without hesitation and blast her one in the back, it would deepen the plot of the clone's unwavering loyalty to the Chancellor and make the film a lot darker, at least for us Clone Wars fans. What do you think the fate of Captain Rex could be? Will he be killed off in the series? Will he be a deserter and run off to go live with Cut Laquane on his farm? The possibilities are almost endless. Only time will tell the true fate of Captain Rex. Uh, and then again, this uh, in this email he says, "By the way, just wondering what happened to your sponsor uh, from Bo in Australia, Clone Wars for Life on the forums." Uh, and Bo, uh, first I'm, I'm going to answer a question you didn't ask. I haven't mailed your prize yet because <laughs> he I'm asked a me about that. Yeah, lazy person. Uh, no, I've just been really busy and I just haven't been able to get around to it. Uh, but I promise you, it's going to go out this week. Um, to answer your last question, I think I already did. Uh, or we do still have a sponsor. I was just... I had a brain fart. <laughs> Didn't put it on the beginning of, the, of yeah. last week's episode. Um, and then let's get into this uh, This talk about Captain Rex. Do you do you think that he's going to stick around? Do you think he's well, going to die? What do you this think? This was what I was going to bring up. I hadn't read this mailbag until just now. But this was what I was going to bring up as far as this episode uh, delved into... To, to Rex and and to Ahsoka as well. She wasn't in this, but we've talked about this. Is like this series is is changing so many things, and there's so many possibilities. Um, like Bo is saying here, yeah. that that could happen with with these two characters. Uh, Rex is pretty much one of the main characters now, and his relationship, like I said, with Anakin is is evolving, and um, I think. They would they would miss out on a huge opportunity right here to put these characters uh, maybe into a special edition or or somehow you know put them into the to the prequel trilogy um, whether it be you know Rex turning on somebody or on 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 Ahsoka or maybe he turns on Anakin maybe he's maybe he still thinks uh, uh, differently than what order 66 is i mean there's there's tons of possibilities and this episode kind of put it out there like 
you know, these things, like I said, these these clones are not like the stormtroopers where they just go out and shoot and, and go after rebels. Um, they're thinking for themselves, especially these commanders. Uh, they're making their own decisions. And, yeah. And like I said, uh, you know, we'll see what happens at the end of the series and if they ever do plan to do anything with adding them into the uh, to the live action series. And I think all of us would love to see love to see Rex uh, in because we don't know what happens to him. We see we see Commander Cody um, in episode three, um, but I think he's the only one that of as far as the major characters of the clones that we see in the movies. Yeah. And uh, adding Rex and uh, like we said in other podcasts, Ahsoka uh, would be a huge opportunity. Well, but we we did see Gree. Oh, we right, saw right, Gree yeah. last season. Um, he gets the, cut down by Yoda. The, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that we will. Uh, uh, what else did we see? Didn't we see somebody in the Ryloth trilogy as well? Oh wow, we might have. I have to look back again on that. I think Picard. Well, no, not Picard. Because uh, he's with the Clone Marines. Um, I'd have to go back. I'd have to go back. But uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen we've seen a couple of other clone commanders. Um, whether they've just been visual or by right, mentioned yeah. by name, yeah. I mean, I think I think maybe Cody and Greer are the only ones who've been mentioned by name. But uh, I'm trying to remember which clone commanders were in the Ryloth trilogy. Because um, I'm pretty sure that the one with Mace Windu was one of the was one of the ones from the movies, but uh, but I don't know. But uh, continue continue with what you were saying, and I will. Well, no, that. I think uh, Bo had a nice. It's a it's a good mailbag here, and uh, like you said about the, the possibilities. I mean, um, mm-hmm. you know, they could do pretty much anything with Rex. They could. Have them go along with Order sixty six and just be inserted into the into the tri- uh, prequel trilogy as a you know paint some uh, blue on them and and have them leading with uh, as I've heard before leading into the uh, Jedi Temple with Anakin in that one shot where he's he's walking up with the clones. Um, I've heard people mention that'd be cool to see him uh, right next to Anakin on the siege of the Jedi Temple. Yeah, um, you know maybe he can go a different way and. And maybe go with the cut Queen route, where he says, "You know what? This isn't worth it. You know, I'm out of here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna side with yeah. the, uh, with the Jedi on this one." Um, but uh, that's a good mailbag, though. Thanks, Bo, for uh, sending that in. Yeah. Just to answer anybody's question, Pons, it was Commander okay. Pons yeah. that was, in, uh, that was in the Ryloth trilogy. Um, yeah, yeah, it was definitely a good question. But I, you know, what I would ask is, uh, is the because kind of the way that he phrases it, he says uh, that they're unwavering loyalty to the Chancellor. And I don't know if that's the way that it is. I don't know if it is an unwavering loyalty to the Chancellor. I Republic, think it's yeah. to the Republic. And it's that same attitude that Anakin has that the Chancellor at a certain point becomes right. the Republic. Um, and that maybe they just they haven't been taught. They don't know enough about freedom <laughs> to know that that's yeah. not right. That the chancellor is not the republic. You know, the president isn't the United States. The United States is the United States, and the president right. is just the leader, right? Um, and I think that that was a commentary on 
American politics is that sometimes people forget that the president of the United States is not the country, that the country has its own identity and he is just there to represent them. Um, and I think that was a bit of a commentary on Bush, like a lot of episode yeah. one, two, and three. What <laughs> <laughs> was a commentary on Bush? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I think that that's sort of the deeper question is who's, who is Rex loyal to? Is he loyal to the Chancellor? Is he loyal to the Republic? Or is he loyal to Anakin? Right? Um, and if he's loyal to the Republic, like Obi-Wan says, and like Padme says, you know, their loyalty is to the Republic and to democracy and freedom. And, uh, and if that's where Rex sits, if his loyalty is to the Republic and to freedom, he's going to oppose Order 66. Sorry. Uh, you know, so, I don't know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully they do that. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Bo, for the mail. And then we'll get into the forum post of the week. And this was posted by Rexter501st, and his subject was Clone Wars versus Clone Wars, and uh, he states, uh, or he writes, now that Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 1 is done, how does your favorite episode of The Clone Wars micro-series compare to your favorite episode of The Clone Wars Season 1 or uh, Season 2? And, you know, I I watched the uh, micro-series, and I haven't seen it in a few mm-hmm. years, though. I haven't popped, I have the DVDs, I haven't popped those in in a while, uh, because I've been busy watching this show the last few years but um i definitely uh like the clone wars this new clone wars uh a lot more than the other one and and just because it's more yeah there's just more more substance to it um you know it's it's a little more uh i think it's aimed more at at someone like me um the visuals obviously are a little better i mean it's a whole different it's a whole different ball game with this one there were yeah. some good episodes of the micro series, and they had some characters like Dirge, that uh, basically an EU character that's not going to be in this Clone Wars, I don't think. Um, but you know, you we'll never see. know. Yeah, you never know. Maybe it'll be a part <laughs> we'll of. Dirge had that aspect of his character that he couldn't really. Yeah. Nobody really knew if he was ever dead, or yeah. you know, he could be killed or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I like uh, I like this one better. I'm. Yeah, I would definitely say that the that Star Wars: The Clone Wars is better than Star yeah. Wars: Clone Wars. Um, those that's the technical yeah. difference is uh, that one has the and the other one doesn't. Um, the micro series being the one that doesn't have the in it. I yeah, the Clone Wars is definitely a better series just because it gets more time. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, yeah. with, with the micro series. Uh, it's just, I mean, even when they tried to do it with season two, um, they just didn't have enough there. They yeah. just didn't have enough time. For, for the episode, to like really 15 explore. minutes or something like that, or 10 minutes? Yeah, in season two, they were like they were like 10 or 15 minutes long. I think 12 yeah. minutes, 12 yeah. and a half minutes long. And, uh, and in the first ones, they were like three minutes right. long. It's really hard to get. To and, get it, uh, yeah. Yeah, so they were really just action sequences for the most part. And then season two, it was a little bit more of a storyline. But I feel like the storyline kind of was a little bit boring. It was a little bit not really connected. And I don't think that 
in that context of the micro series that that's what we wanted to see Anakin and Obi-Wan doing. I think that if they had done an episode like that in this series, that it would have been a little bit more well received. Um, But you know what? This this one's like, Uh, I don't know. This new Clone Wars that we're watching now is, is, is a totally different thing. I mean, Lucas is Lucas yeah, is, is behind this, and he's yeah. directly involved. Which I don't know how much he was involved in the micro series. Probably not much, with just saying, you know, do this or yeah, go ahead. I think he just told them that he wanted it to connect end to end directly episode where start. episode yeah. three begins. But I really don't feel like it does. Like I would think that if what had happened to Anakin directly preceded episode three it that it doesn't work it doesn't make a lot of sense like just just story-wise for the character he just went through this thing where he was the hero of this planet and uh and just sort of faced his the dark side like that was one of his trials right and he just faced it and uh and sort of faces it down and uh and i think he might have been a little bit more cautious if that would have happened to him right before I would like to see him maybe doing something a little bit more like what we've seen him do in the past, like in the, in the past couple episodes with, you know, questioning Cad Bane and questioning uh, uh, Gunray. And, uh, or was it Gunray? No. Who's he question? Yeah. Lotta, yeah. Uh, stuff like that. A little bit, a little bit more along those lines. Um, uh, no, he questions. He questions the Geonosian guy. The oh, what's his face? Uh, Poggle. Yeah, Poggle. When he when he questioned Poggle, and uh, and sort of right. beat the crap out of him. Um, yeah, I want to see something more like that because that more leads in. Like that's the stuff that's making Episode Three make more right. sense for us, right? Like we're suddenly getting to this point where it's like, oh, Episode Three doesn't seem like that big of a change for him because he's kind of already yeah. heading down that path and and the micro series didn't do anything to help that so no, I I don't know. good point so there we go thanks guys uh keep posting the forums and on facebook and uh keep the chatter rolling yeah definitely uh so we've got our our yes. next episode this friday coming up yeah. this friday uh and uh it's we want oh, to yeah, that. let's go ahead and do that. Let's go ahead. And... It is called uh, Lightsaber Lost, and uh, the description is when a pickpocket steals Ahsoka's lightsaber, an ancient Jedi helps reclaim her weapon. So uh, there's some, I don't know, we got some some stuff in here that, uh, what's with the ancient Jedi? Who's that going to be? Is it going to be Yoda? Or... Yeah, it's a little... It's a little yeah. bit of mystery, eh? Like, uh, so that's going to be the 11th episode, and they no longer put the previews online yeah. for people to check out. So if you I didn't see the preview, preview when I it was on, I can't find yeah, um, yeah, I think because it was like three weeks out that yeah. they didn't even do one. Um, so yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's and interesting. Then, you know, also, I've also heard it's that or heard that it's. Um, you know, this is just one of those one-off episodes to get us into the next arc of stories about uh, Mandalorian. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Though. But uh, looks like Ahsoka's following in the well, same Man- uh, footsteps as Anakin, losing her lightsaber. So <laughs> you're gonna say something about the Mandalorians, yeah. though. 
Oh, uh, well, we got to get into the yeah, Mando shoot. soon because we're gonna uh, be on episode twelve by the next uh, after this one. Yeah, yeah, which means that there's only going to be about ten left. So, um, and they it, they've sort of been boasting this Mandalorian thing as a very large part of of what's going to go down in the in season two. So, yeah. I uh, well, I guess that that's our episode for this week. So uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out online at www.clonewarspodcast.com. Uh, the website is, oh man, I was almost almost done designing the new website and then about to start building it. And, uh, and they just released the, uh, the 2010 look for the figures. And uh, I took too long doing the 2009 <laughs> yeah. look. <laughs> so I think I'm going to just jump right to the 2010 look and I'm going to sort of keep the same format to the site but uh, that I was working on but uh, just sort of change some of the graphics um, and uh, we'll, we'll probably talk more about the 2010 yeah. look next week um, but yeah so expect big things from the from the website we've got we have a, a, a news feature yes. writer who's coming on uh, so there's going to be a reason to, uh, to Before, check out yeah. the site on a more regular basis um, uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter. Our username is Clone Wars, and uh, and head over to Facebook to join our group. And you can you can uh, also join our fan page, which is uh, Facebook.com/slash Clone Wars Podcast. And uh, and as always, you can join us on the Geek Out Loud forums at www.geekoutpodcast.com/slash forums. And uh, and get in there and uh, and discuss Clone Wars yeah. with us, and uh, and we will see you guys next week for uh, Lightsaber Lost. So that's right. it for us. We'll see y'all next week. Bye.